Amber Dreams, Chapter 2 Clouds promised rain. Waves washed high against the ship, promising choppy seas. Passengers determined to complete a promenade crowded the decks. Isabella caught snippets about cricket test matches, politics, new inventions, and the latest fashions, but she scarcely heeded what she heard. Her eyes busily spotted the difference in accommodations as she traveled from Bronze Star passageways to Silver Star and then Gold Star. The first-class passageways were wide and carpeted. Gilt mirrors replaced the cheap paintings of the second-class walls, and glass chandeliers rather than wall sconces lit the way for the privileged. Two stewards stopped her in first class, ostensibly to offer directions along the corridors they attended. The second escorted her to Lady Peveril's straight-room door on the upper deck, even knocking and ensuring Isabella was admitted before returning to his post. Hetty Rufford opened the door. By no word or sign did the maid reveal that she knew Isabella. She merely stepped back for Isabella to pass, then disappeared into a narrow chamber off to the side. Wearing a plissé night robe with lace ruffles adorning the neck and wrist and hems, Lady Peveril sat enthroned on a reproduction Louis XIV chair facing the door. Her silver hair was still undressed, tied with a silky ribbon and trailing across her shoulder. The surprising addition to this conversation was the young woman of last evening's event. She had taken the low settee at the foot of a curtained bed. Her fashionable navy sailor suit emphasized the darkness under her eyes. Lady Peveril pointed to the other Louis XIV chair. You are prompt, Mrs. Tarrant, which I appreciate. Rufford. She didn't lift her voice, but the maid quickly appeared. Absent yourself for a half hour. I think our interview will last no longer than that. I shall dress then. The maid curtsied, then slipped away, closing the stateroom door with the barest snick. Lady Peveril fixed her gaze on the young woman, who visibly quelled. Isabella took pity on her. I do not believe we have been introduced. I am Isabella Tarrant, an artist. Lady Peveril is a new acquaintance. We have the Dowager Malvays in common. When the young woman merely stared at her twisting fingers, she prompted, I thought your gown last evening was lovely. Is that a new design for the Maison Mirbor? The opening worked. It's a worth original part of my trousseau. She plucked at the pleated hem of her walking skirt. This is part of my trousseau. Everything I have is part of my trousseau. So, the wedding was recent, and the husband's dictatorial ways were likely a shock. Isabella still couldn't divine the reason Lady Peveril wanted them to meet. Oh, the young woman said, I forgot. You do not know my name or my circumstances or anything. Her voice faded on the last word. The dowager's gaze had fixed on the young woman. Our time is passing, Gemma. She flinched. Her gaze darted around, avoiding them to fix upon an ornate gilded escritoire. You'll think I'm a foolish flit. No, of course. He thinks I am. Perhaps I am. I never should have agreed. Her gaze switched to Isabella. Dan broken, the words gushed out. I wouldn't have, but the terms were so beneficial. Papa will keep his horses, and Mummy will have her teas and soirees, and Augie will continue at Oxford. Although he doesn't really suit Oxford, he wants to be in London. I don't think he'll make a scholar. 
but I agreed, and I thought it wouldn't matter. I could forget him and go on with my life, close my eyes and think of England. That's what Mummy said. But I can't forget him. I didn't know how much I would think of him. We shouldn't have met those times before the ceremony, but we did, and after, too, in the six weeks before we sailed, and that's when it happened, and I don't regret that it happened. I don't regret it at all. I have good memories now. He shouldn't care. He has what he wants, a pretty bride to spend fripperies on. I should have what I want, but here I am, stuck with him. That room is so small, and there's no escape, and it will go on for weeks, for weeks. And now he's discovered not everything, of course, but enough. I never expected him to be jealous. Fancy that. He's jealous. The spate of words ended. She looked at Peveril while Isabella floundered, trying to make sense of what she'd heard. Men are territorial, my dear. Yes, my lady, I know that now. It's still a surprise. Are you married? she asked Isabella. Did your husband die in the war? I am traveling to India to join him. We married at the end of January. You're newly wed too, then. Is he territorial? Is he jealous? I haven't encountered that in him, no. She sank against the settee. My bad luck to be saddled with a man who is jealous. You married two months ago? She hazarded a guess. Seven weeks and five days. Seven weeks and five days is Lady Stropford. No one calls me by my own name any more. Lady Peveril does. I just realized. No one calls you by your own name, do they, my lady? I would call you by your name, Isabella offered, if you would share it with me. Oh, I am foolish. I'm Gemma, Gemma Faraday. Only now I'm Lady Stropford, wife of Lord Douglas Stropford. And the man you can't forget? Ramsay Kemp. I suppose it's more than letters. Jimmy's mouth dropped open. Lady Peveril gave a decisive nod. I knew you were the one we needed. Jimmy's diary is missing. She discovered it gone from her vanity case yesterday morning. You saw her husband confront her with a letter and two folded pages, which were torn from the diary. This morning, on her breakfast tray, was another page from the diary. She produced the folded papers that the steward had retrieved for her last evening. He's taken her diary, very likely to hold as evidence should he ever wish to dissolve the marriage. All my hopes and dreams were in that diary. Two years, my foolish whimsies, my sorrows and unhappiness. How did you discover that he had taken your diary, Lady Stropford? Mrs. Tarrant, did I not say that her husband confronted her with two of the pages and this letter at dinner last evening. But Lady Peveril, Gemma didn't pick up those pages, nor did she take the letter. The steward handed all three to you. The dowager leaned back. Her gaze drifted back as she recalled the evening. Then she gave a curt nod. You are correct. Gemma, how did you know? I discovered the diary missing yesterday morning. I always write in the morning while I have my tea. It wasn't in my vanity case where I keep it, and he had those pages. He had to have taken it. What does the diary look like? Is it like any book? Is there a particular color? It is a book. The cover is orange. You didn't see it anywhere in your stateroom. 
I looked in all the drawers and in all his things, his shaving kit and briefcase and everything is nowhere in the room. My maid also looked. She didn't find it either. Your maid is familiar with where you keep it. She hands it to me after she brings my tea tray. She removes the diary from the vanity case. Of course. Isabella nodded as she imagined the scene. Gemma sipping her tea, waiting for the diary to come to her hand. The maid searching the vanity case, then the dressing table, thinking that it must have been mislaid the morning before. Both women searching the room, first the drawers and closet assigned to them, then the ones assigned to Lord Stratford, and then into his closed luggage still stored in the room. There was another page on my tray yesterday morning. What? Isabella jerked back to attention. Yesterday morning, when you realized the diary was missing, the page was tucked under my teacup. He had to have added it to my tray. He must have. No, that didn't make sense. If Stropford planned to confront his young wife at dinner, why would he add a page to her tea tray in the morning? Did he say anything to you? Only what you heard. And two diary pages came with your morning tea. Yesterday and today, she confirmed, her mind quickly resorting all of her assumptions. Of course. What are you thinking, Mrs. Tarrant? That Laura Stratford has nothing to do with the missing diary. That's not possible. He had to have taken it. Who else would? What did the notes say? What did last evening's notes say? Gemma reached into her slim purse and withdrew a folded paper. Lady Peveril handed over the notes she had taken last evening. Isabella quickly scanned the four pages. A rounded, schoolgirl hand covered both sides of the cream-colored paper. The torn edges revealed the diary's hand-sewn binding. She caught marvelous party, danced to dawn, eager to see him again, and tea with mummy. Chatter about a shopping trip. One page ended with the word kiss. The next page, still in the diary, obviously contained incriminating information. The pages had no names, no dates or locations, just the effusive wishes for something else. Rambling dissatisfaction with her new husband, a hope that she would soon return to London where she could be free. That one was dated to a few days before, the morning after they left port in Southampton. Not one page gave enough evidence for Lord Stratford to launch divorce proceedings against his bride, if that was the purpose for stealing the diary. What other purpose could there be? Why remove pages from the diary if they were not incriminating? Is this what you usually write in the diary? Gemma clutched her hands together. Once more, they began twisting. I did write some things in the weeks before we sailed that I wouldn't want anyone to read. Isabella handed the notes back. You should keep these. How did your husband come by that letter? He must have taken it from my maid. I gave it to Tamman to give to Rufford to mail for me. That convoluted plan had drawn attention to Gemma's desire to hide the letter from her husband. Isabella wanted to roll her eyes, but she didn't. Could the valet have taken your diary? Did he know where it was kept? I don't know. Enriden has seen me writing in it. The valet's name is Henriden. Where would I find him this afternoon? I couldn't say. 
Lady Peveril interrupted Isabella's questions. You think that Valet has the diary? Why would he take it? Loyalty to his master, Art Gemma. You've not received any demands for money? I have no money. Stratford pays for everything. Do you not receive an allowance? I do, but I do not need access to it while we're abroad. Blackmail, the dowager asked. Perhaps, Isabella slowly agreed. Our loyalty, as I said. Only three people had easy access to the diary. Three? Who else besides Stratford or his valet? The maid. Tamman? Certainly not, Gemma declared. She is loyal to me. She's been with me since before my marriage. Isabella didn't point out that the pages provided to Lord Stratford had had nothing incriminating on them. Who else has access to your stateroom? Well, the stewards, the maids who come in to clean, the man who carried in my trunk from cargo. He had to wait several minutes, you see, before Tamman told him to return the trunk to baggage. Tamman had packed my best gown in it, thinking I wouldn't need it until we reached Port Said. Then we were invited to dine with Captain Pitney, and I had to have that gown. Do you keep your vanity case locked? It's supposed to be, but we were at sixes and sevenses that afternoon in such a rush. We had to wait all morning for the trunk. Tamman could have left it unlocked. He could have spotted it. Lady Stratford rambled on, but Isabella had already rejected the sailor working in cargo. He wouldn't have known the diary contained anything important. The torn-out pages, she mused over those. Nothing incriminating except for complaints against Lord Stratford. As a source for evidence in a divorce, they were weak, unless they were an opening volley in Lord Stratford's campaign to undermine his wife. They were equally weak as a source for blackmail, unless they were a threat. The first page on the breakfast tray pointed out that the diary was missing. The second page, given to Lord Stratford, proved how easily the husband would learn of his wife's perfidy. This morning's note confirmed that threat. Lady Peveril leaned forward. You don't think Stratford has anything to do with the diary? He might. If he hasn't had a chance to read the diary completely, he might have torn out the pages at random. Has he mentioned divorce? Gemma shook her head. Not a word. Not until last evening. And you heard what he said. And none of that was about divorce, Isabella thought. Stratford can make of it what he will, but none of this is evidence for divorce, the dowager said with certainty. Stratford has told me that he does not want a divorce. Gemma herself does not want a divorce. The young woman nodded vehemently. We would have to return the settlements. No horses for Papa. No salons and weeks in London for Mummy. Augie might have to take a position, she whispered the last, as if a job was a high crime. Isabella couldn't think of a good response to that. She aimed for the heart of the problem. Gemma, you have my sympathies, of course you do, but I am not certain what you expect my involvement to be. Lady Peveril, what would you have me do? Recover the diary. It's not in their stateroom. Gemma has searched, as has her maid and my Rufford. Stratford has hidden it. I wish you to find it. Perhaps it's in the ship's safe. 
he wouldn't risk the purser or his staff reading the diary. He has no trusted acquaintances aboard ship. Isabella blinked, thinking of the size of the ship, the many places that the diary might be hidden. These two women had fastened upon Lord Stratford as the culprit, ignoring all of Isabella's doubts. She tried a different solution, one that would be impossible to check. Perhaps Lord Stratford wrapped it as a package and left it in the mailroom to ship home. Lady Peril looked pleased at that idea. We did not think that, not at all. You are the person to help us. I knew it. You can ask about a package without a word being sent to Stratford. My lady, the older woman continued over the interruption, Lady Mulvays told me that you solved Tommy Gresham's murder, and there was a murder on the archaeological dig where you met your husband. You can solve this little mystery, I am certain. My lady, I am flattered by your faith in me, but I had nothing to do with solving those murders. Nonsense! Lady Mulvays told me everything. You are wonderful, Gemma gushed. I was in such dumps. You'll be a good friend to me. I know it. I have such relief. A knock came on the door. Gemma broke off as the door opened and the maid slipped inside. Lord Stratford is coming, my lady. Mrs. Tarrant, you should leave before he arrives. I do not want him to know you have any involvement in the diary's recovery. He should think only Gemma is looking for it. Join us this evening for dinner. I will inform the steward. You can apprise me of what you learn. Hopefully you will have found the diary by then. Isabella didn't have the same hope. What should I do with the diary if I find it? Return it to Gemma. Is that wise? My lady, the maid warned. I'm leaving, Isabella said, and did so. As the stateroom door closed, men's voices reached her, one which she recognized from last evening, the other with the barely evident Greek accent that most of the stewards had. Isabella turned in the opposite direction, following the passageway to its turn. The corridor ended there, a short hall with one door at its end to access another cabin. She peeked around the corner. A steward escorted Lord Stratford to Lady Peveril's stateroom. He didn't knock, but retreated to his post in the cross corridor. Stratford stood at the door, staring at it. He glanced after the steward, then looked toward the blind corridor. Isabella ducked back. Her heart hammered as she expected to hear footsteps approaching. Then she heard a staccato knock. The door opened. She imagined a heady, ruffled, stoic face. My wife is visiting Lady Peveril. Lady Peveril will not receive additional visitors, my lord. Is my wife here? She said she would be. I escorted her here an hour ago. Has she left? His voice spiraled into greater frustration with each statement. Lady Stratford remains here, my lord. You said Lady Peveril is not receiving visitors. Gemma, there you are. Isabella leaned against the wall and listened. I am not a visitor, Stratford. Gemma sounded pedantic, a child reciting words she'd learned by rote. Lady Peveril is like my mother. We said we would meet you at noon in the music salon. You've interrupted Lady Peveril's toilette. You can come with me now. I will not. Lady Peveril wants my arm to the music salon. Gemma. Isabella heard a muted voice that could only be Lady Peveril, sounding like a querulous old woman. That redoubtable lady was far from querulous, 
questioning to discover what was happening. Lady Peveril dictated what happened. Isabella peeked around the corner again to see Lord Stropford and the hem of Hetty Rufford's dark uniform. We'll meet in the music salon as planned, Stropford. Shut the door, Rufford, Gemma ordered. We will be late for luncheon. The door closed. Stropford stared at the panel. His hands fisted at his sides. His bride had just refused his order. That had to be a first for him. Gemma's spine, though, depended upon Lady Peveril, not her own metal, and Stropford didn't have the spine to push the issue. He turned on his heel and strode away. Isabella counted one thousand before she followed.